Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And what El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball. Opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins! 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big club, mate. Gather round, villains, and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. This is the final podcast of the season, and we'll be just wrapping up a few of the issues that have, have occurred since that last game at Man City, looking at some of the club news, uh, from the last couple of weeks, and of course, perhaps outlining our some of our hopes for the summer. I'm Andy, and today I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Well, here we are, uh, the, uh, the 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 fabulous threesome. I think that might be a good term to to coin us or term to coin. Anyway, hi everyone, <laughs> and uh, I'm not sleep deprived or anything. I'm absolutely ready to talk about Aston Villa, ready to talk about the season, and ready, ready, ready. Woo. I think I'm less ready than Craig, and I've got no excuse to be sleep-deprived. But it's good to be back, Jen. It's good to be back, listener. Uh, I, I was getting ready for my end-of-season break, for jetting off to Marbella or something and, and sunning myself or, or getting lashed with Jack. But, um, but I've come back for one last end-of-season pod. Yeah, that's an interesting question, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, ask you both that. What's your, what is your, your end-of-season getaway what 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 are you guys doing? Are you are you an Ibiza lads or are you a sort of city break or would you be just so good you'd be playing international football all summer? Oh, I would definitely be um, headed towards the, uh, the the bright lights and the, the music. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would be in I, I'd be in some kind of sexy uh, sexy villa somewhere um, and and hosting house parties and inviting. All of the local, you know, the, the local big wigs around and, and having little parties and stuff like that, barbecues by the pool. It'd be lovely. I mean, I completely believe Craig when he says that. And, and I'd try to say the same thing, but I'm more of the first in between as movie than I'd be for um, kind of <laughs> dodgy dancing, shots of cheap alcohol, and then passing out on the street is, is probably more, more my summer plans. <laughs> I I think I I'd, I'd be on a golf course somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Portugal, a bit of a, a bit like John Terry or something. Yeah, you know, Steve just, Bruce uh, would be signing you for one last hurrah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's where the big deals get done. So that's where <laughs> that's where I'd be. I think. Um, yeah, but uh, well, we'll crack we'll crack on with um, what's been going on then. In the last ap- episode, uh, we discussed the the transfer committee. Swift work in securing the free transfer of Bubakar Kamara, um, and it wasn't long after that um, before the further addition was made, as Villa paid a reported twenty-six million uh, pounds to bring Brazilian defender Diego Costa in from Seville. The twenty-nine-year-old uh, certainly has a, a big reputation and was fiercely chased by Newcastle in January, but Gerard has has, has won this particular race. Um, so, what did you make of this signing? It, it feels like a while ago now, but do you think he he goes straight into this side, um, or do you think? And what do you think this potentially means for the for the other centre backs at the club, Craig? Well, I I, I love the uh, Diego Costa reference there, Andy, that you squeezed in. Um, oh, did I say Costa? <laughs> you did. He, he he was a real rat bastard of a striker, wasn't he? Uh, he's he's the kind of person you'd want pissing uh, out of your tent rather than pissing into it. But anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, Diego Carlos. <laughs> Apologies, Diego Carlos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, it's um, two two thoughts really. Again, it's another signing for now. There's a clear theme here with the uh, wonderful, um, the wonderful John. Uh, <laughs> you've got me thinking about John Terry now with that golfing. <laughs> the wonderful <laughs> Stephen Gerrard signings. We have absolutely. A person in, in Steven Gerrard who is targeting players for now. Luca Dean, 29, a player for now. Diego Carlos, 29, a player for now. Philip Gatino, 29, a player for now. That is encouraging because hopefully those players for now will improve us now. And 
into next season, we can we can be a lot stronger. Obviously, the concerns do creep in about resale value and about obviously not having too many players of that profile. Um, it's important to maintain a balance, but overall. I would say it's a really pleasing signing. It look, he looks like a player who's at the peak of his powers. And in terms of the other centre-backs, I think he um, he does go into the, uh, into the side. And I think he goes into the side to partner Tyrone Mings. The noises that we're hearing is that the uh, the Tarkovsky stuff is, is gone, which is good. I didn't really want him. The Joe Gomez stuff, thank God, is also gone. Um, so it looks like it's going to be maybe bye-bye to Courtney Horse and, 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 a, and a back foursome after talking about the threesome of uh, Carlos, Mings, Konza and uh, Callum Chambers. Yeah, I'd agree with, with Craig there. I think he, he's going to partner Mings. He's not a replacement. Uh, interestingly, at Sevilla, he played on the left-hand side of a back four, even though he's right-footed, which, which isn't that common. But, you know he should be able to adjust to playing on the right-hand side of the back four pretty easily. I mean, he's right-footed, he plays that way. It, it's not a big adjustment. But I think in, in signing him, as Craig says, we've got a player for now, but but we've got another big, powerful unit. Not to go all size first, but, I mean, he's a big guy. He's solid, in, and we've lacked that at Villa for a while. Outside of Mings and, and perhaps Consa, we've been, we've been a relatively small team a relatively weak team and and we've been bullied all too often especially from set pieces so so apart from his qualities as a defender which are which are there for anyone who's who's got a youtube link to see i I think his physicality is going to be important for us but by all accounts he progresses the ball well too um I think the concert injury has done Gerard a favour there because he doesn't have to drop anyone. It's uh, he slots straight in. But I think the most exciting thing for me is he's 29. He's a hot, well, a hot prospect at 29, but he he was touted around Europe and coming up to a World Cup. He's got a real carrot dangling in front of him to to start the season on fire and get into that Brazil squad. So I think it's it's an absolutely sound signing. Um, my one concern would be. Him and Mings are similar profile players, big, strong lads who are good at progressing the ball. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think of all the best centre-back partnerships, there's always something different to them. I think of a, a Vidic and a Ferdinand, for example, and I feel like we've got two larges and, and not a little and large here. So that's not to say it won't work, but you know, just a, a note of caution on what's an otherwise brilliant signing, I think. Yeah, it was interesting how it kind of, again came out of the blue really didn't it as well it wasn't one that had necessarily been been linked heavily like we said all the talk was around Tarkovsky really at, at that stage and then um, this kind of dropped out of nowhere really um, from what I can remember it was about two weeks ago <laughs> um, so uh, yeah really really pleased it was one that um, I kind of thought would it be nice to go and kind of Nipping ahead of Newcastle and get him, but I think as much as that, they I think they they'd maybe turn their attentions elsewhere as well, um, and also to get him, you know, quite a lot cheaper than the I think he had a, a fifty million euro uh, release clause. So obviously we've got we've got got him for a, for a little bit cheaper than than that, which seems to be a bit of um, Perslow's kind of mo at the minute, isn't it? Sort of holding big clubs and to, to ransom over their transfer fees for, for players that we want. It's a very strange kind of situation. Was this it not where saying. he where we were getting the deal done to get it into Sevilla's books before the tax year ended? I think I, I read that somewhere, the same as the Coutinho one. And in which case it's like Perslow's going to Tesco's at eleven o'clock at night to get the yellow stickered steaks or something. It's it's smart <laughs> business. He's he's getting knocked down prices on good players. Yeah, no, it could it could well be, and that that could be part of the thing that you know we were prepared to go early and 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 and, and do this do the deal, and I think you know clubs do like to do like to get business done, don't they? Because then they know you know what they're what what they've got to play with. So um, you know he's he's a player that I think uh, they were hoping they were nearly lost in in January, so. It was always he was always going to go, and I think his his um is it is it uh Kunde his uh his his centre back partner could be could be on his way to Chelsea as well. So, you know they're obviously trying to uh, they're obviously going through a bit of a bit of a time of it there at Sevilla. 
But um, well, we don't no, know. We don't know what it's like to lose your lose your best players anyway. So I mean, we, we can't really relate to that. So it's not like <laughs> something I can really even empathise with you, severe fans. I'm afraid. Yeah, but but more about Matt Target um, in a minute. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll get. I suppose we'll get on to get on to Matt Target. Really, um, I suppose this week it's been more about more about this outgoing. Um, that's been the main news. Um, Matt Target uh, secured his um, fifteen million pound move to Newcastle United um, after his, his reasonably successful loan spell uh, since January. Um, as we've we've discussed on here in in the past, the significance of of this is probably more about uh, Villa being able to secure a, a fee for a player, a big fee for a player, um, and this is the second biggest sale um, actually since Christian Benteke left the club in in two thousand and fifteen. Um, obviously, Jack Grealish being the the, the, the biggest sale. Um, this this time last year, though, I don't think I don't think any of us really would have been expecting target to be the first out the door this summer so so what's your general evaluation of his his time at Villa and and the thoughts on the move Craig a really good buy actually as it turns out I think a really good buy the um the the left back spot has been a problem area for Villa for most of probably the last 10 years and um for target to come in as he came in having I think um been an understudy to Ryan Bertrand at the time at Southampton and he was looking to get first team football he was ready to leave Southampton his uh his place of of, of birth certainly as a player and where he came through the the ranks there to go out and get Premier League football and we've seen again in terms of him moving to Newcastle United that this is a player uh, for all of his strengths and weaknesses that wants to play first team football week in and week out and with so many players content to sit on easy street picking up a handsome pay packet you have to commend that kind of passion uh, from target he he wants to play so a really good signing for Aston Villa the fact that he's kind of maintained his value I think we signed him for around 14 and you know he's left for 15 um, is 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 really good he never made the step to um, the England um, reckoning probably just falls a little bit short in terms of quality, particularly as Gareth Southgate apparently prefers three or four right backs to be his left backs anyway. <laughs> um, so targets, you know, you know, targets, please are fallen on deaf ears there for England reckoning. And probably he's just a little bit short ultimately of being good enough for the England side. I think Cresswell at West Ham falls into a similar, into a similar um, category. I think what you have to say about Matt Target is he really excelled, obviously, our player of the year last year. As you say, Andy, none of us would have expected him to be first out the door. Um, but I wish him nothing but the best. I, I said on Twitter, I think yesterday, I don't appreciate some of the kind of negative, snarky comments towards Target. I don't think it's really necessary. I think sometimes you can thank someone and 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 and, and say goodbye with, with dignity. Uh, this is coming from the same person that's still bitching about Jack Grealish leaving last year. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you could take my take my words with a pinch of salt, but um, nothing but thanks for Target. Really, really key in terms of rebuilding us and reestablishing us in the Premier League, um, and really, really important. Some really important moments from him. That goal in the, the first leg of the semi final, I think, about against uh, Leicester City um, in the Carabao Cup in the first season. He linked up uh, wonderfully with Grealish. I remember that winner, uh, I think, at home against Brighton in that first season. You know, th- those three points, if we don't get that goal, we're, we're, we're down, you know, with that target. So I think he really played his part. And um, honestly, I wish him um, nothing but the very best. Yeah, I think it's one of those transfers where where everyone wins and they're, they're rarities in modern football. I mean, Villa get a good fee for a player who is going to be second choice. Newcastle get a player who's performed well for them and, and Matt Target gets first team football. But I mean, as regular listeners will know, I've got a soft spot for, for that Dean Smith side from last year. And that includes Matt Target, who who, who had a, a phenomenal season after what was a disastrous, disastrous first season for Villa. I thought he wasn't at the races his first season at all. And, and whilst he, he overlapped Jack, well, defensively, he was suspect. But I can't think of a player since maybe Juan Pablo Angel who's had a bigger turnaround in fortunes, who's gone from looking like he's pub side to, to professional in, in such a short time. And and I've got a soft spot for Matt Target because of that, because he, he rode the highs and lows as a footballer. And 
And I have a soft spot because he looks like a throwback to the 1950s with his clean-cut haircut and his, his little smile and Target and Cash's fullback sounded like a bad 80s detective show. I mean, it, there were so many things to like about him apart from the football. And, and I think, as you say, Andy, like the fact that he's first out the door just shows what a turnaround it's been since this time last year. I think... If you go back and listen to the pod a year ago, we'd have been talking about how Dean Smith will take this team from strength to strength and that defence is what we'll build it on. And it's been a season of transition and, and that will inevitably come with casualties and, and that casualties map target. But but as Craig says, there's there's no need to, to go on Twitter and slate the man. There's there's no need for this argument amongst Newcastle fans and Villa fans of, of who's better, Luca Dino or, or Matt Target. It's let's say so long to a man who's given us two and a half years of really good service kept us in the Premier League and, and gave us our highest finish for God knows how long and, and and you know I wish him well at Newcastle I think he's going to do very well there he's a he's a solid Premier League left back he's, he's not going to set anyone's heart fluttering but but he does a job for you there yeah he, he, he certainly does and I think I've had I've said some uh, <laughs> some pretty um Critical things, I suppose, of, about Matt Target cutting last Andy, season. Cutting things, <laughs> yeah, cutting, yeah. But I felt, I felt at the time it was, it was deserved. I, I didn't feel that he, he was um, hitting his form uh, earlier in the season. He wasn't, he wasn't the only one. It just, it was just um, kind of, kind of, it stuck out like a sore thumb, particularly in that 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 uh, first match against Watford, where he got absolutely roasted by. Um, by uh, Saar down that side, but you know he he is one of those players. I think um, that he could have gone. He it could have all gone wrong for him after that first season um, if he hadn't have kind of got his head down and and listened to the coaches and and made the improvements on his defensive game that he so clearly made and, and worked really hard on. And was and and turned out. I think it turned out to be the best aspect of his game. When he kept, when he came in, I had him down as a wing back, really. A, you know, an attacking fullback, a bit like Dina. But um, he's he leaves as a as a very solid left back. You know, I've sort of likened him a little bit to Stuart Pearce. He, he's not quite like that, but he's he's kind of got that chunky physique, and he's he 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 does hit tackles really hard he's he's you know he is he is kind of a ferocious competitor he was quite and, po- um, he was quite podgy wasn't he i think when he first came in he he looked a little bit yeah. uh, a little bit like he may have been on the uh, scones and then <laughs> and then at the beginning of last season he came in looking like a bit more of an athlete and um and and i think that 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 transition that physical transition and i think a mental transition as well that you alluded to Andy was was really key in his growth, really. Yeah, he and he he absolutely deserved his award last season, and um, he's certainly I think the one I would have gone for for I think I voted for for Matt Target for Player of the Year last year, and um, it, you know, but this is how sometimes football football goes, and new manager comes in and wants something different, and that's all it is. And it just so happened that that the a player of of Luca Dean's quality became available when if if it had been three days later he mm-hmm. wouldn't have been you know it's it's one of those and yeah you know, I've said before it was it was an act of violence against Matt Target really to bring in Luca Dean because it it was the end of his career you know his Villa career it was he was never going to reestablish himself in the in the Villa side again unless Dean had a had a had a big injury, you know, which which of course you don't want. So um, he had to go. He had to go and, and and get first in football, and he did the right thing by by doing that. Um, he could have picked a better club, um, maybe, but you know, it's um, it's it's uh, it's a move, and he'll be the first choice hopefully. Yeah. Um, unless they sign another, <laughs> another he'll, he'll international you will be, <laughs> be the first choice for now I think the interesting thing is in the Athletic in their article they said that Fulham also wanted him and that uh, another Premier League another unnamed Premier League club were also interested so it's possible that Villa could have got a pinch more money um, if, uh, if 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 Newcastle didn't have that uh, £15 million deal already in place but um, 
as I say, I think Matt Target overall, he also leaves, I, I forgot to say, an Aston Villa record breaker. Part of the meanest clean sheet uh, having defence in Aston Villa's Premier League history. The joint um, meanest clean sheet having defence. What a terrible phrase that was. I worded that really badly. <laughs> that was that was desperate. Anyway, well done, Matt. There'll be a pub quiz answer in a few years' time. But I, I kind of I think more than anyone else in our team, he suffered from Jack Grealish leaving. He he dovetailed so well with Grealish on the left, and uh, I mean because Grealish was a jack of all trades, if you'll forgive the pun. Target just had one job to do, and that was to cover for him and occasionally overlap to pretend that Grealish might pass in the ball, even though everyone in the stadium, apart from the right back, it seems, knew he wouldn't. But I think he really suffered because he wasn't able to build that relationship and he was shunted from wing back to full back. And he, more than anyone else, suffered this season. And as Andy, as you say, that first 45 minutes against Saar kind of sums up Villa's season and, and his his year. But I think he'll be first choice at, at Newcastle. And, and in a, I'm going to sound like an old man shouting at clouds here, but in an era where every player has to be a celebrity, when every player has to be world-class, gung-ho attacking, sometimes you need the water carriers in your team. And, and Matt Target is the epitome of a water carrier. And if, if Newcastle go out and buy God knows who they're going to buy with their countless amounts of, of bloodied oil money... Then, um, then he'll still be jogging along that touchline, crunching into challenges, occasionally missing the ball completely and giving up easy goals. But you need those kind of players in your team. And, and I'm kind of sad to see that go from Villa. I like a workman-like left-back. It's I've got a soft spot for him. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, he certainly was that. And he had he had that that little bit of quality as well when he... When he uh, when he got forward, so yeah, all the best to him, and I hope um, hope they uh, hope they fail, obviously miserably, but I hope he's <laughs> he's okay. Um, I mean, there could there could also be a, another large group of, of departures from Bodymore Heath this summer, the likes of El Ghazi and Trezeguet. Uh, sorry, lads, um, look surplus to requirements in Gerard's squad, and of course, you know, both of them had had loan spells. I think Trezeguet has got some interest. Um, in Turkey uh, to to sign him, um, there will also be question marks over the futures of of Cameron Archer and Keenan Davis um, after excellent loan spells in the Championship uh, last season. With the latter helping uh, Nottingham Forest, of course, back to the Premier League, where where they I, I believe they belong. Um, so congratulations to Keenan on that, and congratulations to Cameron Archer on his first. England under twenty one goal as well the other night. It was a, a classic Archer finish, I think, and uh, sort of had had me thinking. Well, maybe uh, maybe there's a little spot for him in our squad next season, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. But but the one that seems to be a bit forgotten is um, is of course Connor Hurahan, and he will leave the the club this summer after after five years at the club as his contract runs out. Hurahan signed from from Barnsley for for 1.5 million uh, for Steve Bruce in that first championship season and he he became an essential part of two promotion pushes of course under Steve Bruce and then the successful one in the end under under Dean Smith the year after. Um, I mean let's just talk really about the impact that, that Connor has has had at the club and you know what what are your sort of favorite memories of him in a in a villa shirt craig yeah what what a guy i think um i think the obvious one is the the goal in the playoff um final uh, semi final sorry at villa park uh, where he came on uh, off the bench uh, after Whelan, i think had given the ball away and let uh, and let, i was going to say robert earnshaw but it wasn't that's a that's a that's <laughs> dwight gale I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking of. I'm getting my mediocre Premier League strikers who are excellent in the Championship mixed up. Anyway, it was. Dwight I know Gale. it's been. It's been a while since we've recorded, but we've 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 mistaken John Terry and Diego Costa and now Robert. I is, mean, this is what happens when you don't sleep, Andy. You get you you start talking even more gibberish than you normally do. Um, yeah, my actual favourite memory of Connor is the um, is the the hat trick against Norwich. Um, at home, where Keenan Davis, the aforementioned Keenan Davis, I think made his first debut, full debut, and absolutely bullied them and 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 bruised them and battered them. And um, I just remember thinking, "Oh my God, we don't Villa don't have midfielders who score hat tricks." 
And um, he hadn't really been like a, a, a first first choice. He'd been in and out of the side, and I hadn't really seen what he was all about. And I think that hat trick really helped establish him as a real goal scoring midfielder for us. And and obviously the the, the free kicks speak for themselves. That the, the the dead ball. I mean, he would still probably be amongst Villa's best dead ball specialists if he was still in the squad. And that's I'm not, I don't say that lightly. Bearing in mind we now have Dinia and Coutinho in the building. You know, Conor Harahan from a dead ball would be up there with all of them. And um, I think the main thing to take from, from Conor Harahan is he's kind of a great role model for, and this is, this is, I'm gonna, this is probably going to sound more like an insult than a compliment, but he's really a role model for limited players with limited ability. Like he was, he's not a good all round footballer. But what he was able to do was make himself into a Premier League goal-scoring midfielder and a full-island international by taking the two things that he had, which was really his his technique on the ball and his coolness in front of goals, and polishing that to such a high level that it kind of carried some of his lesser qualities the rest of the way. And I think that is a real, a real inspiration almost because... He is kind of a proof that, that that hard work does pay off, and you can see how hard he worked to get where he was. Obviously, no, he's never going to be a kind of he's, he's never going to have two hundred games in the Premier League. But he he had his moment in the Premier League. He scored goals in the Premier League, a, a very good one against Norwich again, ironically. And he's played for his country, and he can retire whenever he does. Lots of gas left in his tank, I'm sure. He can retire proud knowing that, you know, he can look himself in the mirror and say he squeezed every drop out of his career, Conor Harahan. And, and Villa have had plenty of players that certainly can't say that. Yeah, to follow on from Craig talking about squeezing every drop out of Conor Harahan, it's, it's not an easy <laughs> gig to follow. But I, I'd agree with him entirely. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's one of the most important signings of the modern Villa era. For the sheer fact that when he came in, he elevated standards, he elevated professionalism. It, if you think before we signed him and before, you know, before Steve Bruce came in, we had we had like to Ross McCormack. We'd had a season in the Premier League with Micah Richards and Jolien Lesko. Like, it, you know, standards were in the toilet. This was a Villa team who were stealing a living. And Conor Harahan came in amongst the likes of James Chester and, and other, Tommy Elphick, other professionals, and really changed the culture around Villa Park. He, he set standards. And as Craig says, he, he showed what could be accomplished, even if you didn't have all of the talent in the world and, and how important application is, especially in a league like the Championship, where you've got a lot of players who, who don't have all the skills required to be a top player, but, but still earning a living and earning a good living. So I think he's been hugely important. He helped set in motion the, the standards that we see today. And he wasn't a bad player to boot either. I mean, kind of my favourite moments, the volley against the Blues in the derby. I mean, he shinned it a little bit, but it was still a great volley. And he, there was a game against Newcastle, I think, the first season we were up, where, where he was on the left of midfield and Jack was on the left wing. And it was it was just superb. He, he just had the game of his life that day and, and put in a free kick as well. And... He he was a fantastic player. He didn't have the pace for the Premier League, yet still got a good season in the Premier League out of him. And, and as Craig says, that speaks volumes about the man. And I'm kind of sad to see him go because whilst we've moved on and, and there's no, no place in the modern Villa squad for him, I think these players owe a lot to him because I think a lot of them wouldn't be on Premier League wages if it wasn't for Hurran coming in. And, and he, he was a captain at Barnsley. He brought that kept captain's mentality into Villa, and I think we'll never quite, quite feel the or understand the benefits of the intangibles that he brought to the club. Even if we can appreciate the tangible goals and free kicks and beautiful raking passings we got out of him, but, but yeah, I, I tip my imaginary hat to to Connor here. I'm, I'm going to be really sad to see him go. Yeah, it's a bit sad, isn't it? It's 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 time, obviously, you know, and it's probably be probably been slightly overdue, but he's had a couple of decent loan spells. I mean, we talked about the two playoff finals he played in for Villa. He's also played in one for Swansea, and of course, got knocked out of the playoffs on on penalties uh, the other week at Nottingham Forest, and he missed he missed one of the the penalties, didn't he? And for Sheffield United, so you know, it's um. It's a, it's a difficult one with with, with Connor. He's he's he, he's probably one of my one of my my all time favorite 
favourite players, you know, for all the reasons that that you guys have have talked about. Um, I just really, really enjoyed having him in in the Villa team. Um, I've had to defend him, which <laughs> which I find extraordinary. Really, um, there are lots of players he did divide opinion, despite the fact I think he scored twenty six or twenty seven goals from midfield in his time at the club, and that's obviously that's including you know a season and a half out on loan. That's including him playing in quite a lot in the defensive midfield position and of course being out the side at times as well and um he's it's an incredible return really um it's you know so many goals albeit the championship but it still counts there's still goals and you know it's um yeah really really important signing at the time I totally agree in a similar way to how John Terry um and one or two others were as well. I think Connor was the the man that Connor and perhaps Neil Taylor that that January were the ones that came in and and did 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 sort of alter things a little bit um, in that dressing room. So yeah, really really good. And a couple of things, sort of memories of Connor. First of all, there was the um, I don't know if you guys remember the tweet. I think someone when he had been at um, yes. playing at Plymouth, I believe in in the in League Two. Um, someone had tweeted him saying you'll never amount to anything or never play in the Premier League or something like that, and he he kept it. And of course, he tweeted it back out, didn't he? When he when he played in the Premier League for for Villa, and I think that's you know he obviously was motivated by proving people wrong, and you know he he did that. But I have to say that goal against West Brom in the in the semi final of the playoffs. I mean. I was kind of down the line of the shot where I sit in the in the halt end, and it was almost there was a silence, and I'm sure I'm remembering this wrong. <laughs> there was a silence as he hit the ball, and you I could almost hear it hit the net, and then the place just, you know, just went just erupted because it was such a great strike. It was a, you know, you don't see players hit you know hit connect with a ball that well and it fly into the net very often and it, it was uh it was just a superb strike and I think at that point I I kind of knew we were going up. I just thought, you know, that that's it was absolutely perfect and I I'm fairly sure my in the celebrations my my soul left my body. I've 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 never <laughs> quite been the same the same since then and uh, it was it was incredible and, and that whole that whole I talk about it before but that whole run to the playoffs that season was the best time I've ever had as a Villa player and, and Connor was such a massive part of that. Um so yeah, I'll never forget it. And yeah, he'll he's on my he's on the back of my Luke Roper away shirt and it, it will be remaining in my in my in my wardrobe unless I uh, unless I can one day uh, fit back into it and wear it to Villa Park one day. <laughs> well they're very they're very very uh very highly sought after those you may be able to make yourself a couple of hundred quid there uh andy no, i'm afraid not <laughs> they're staying with me <laughs> Fair enough. yeah but um no great to um to kind of talk about him really and i mean we're talking like he has gone it hasn't been announced yet but i suppose we're assuming we're assuming aren't we <laughs> Well, it would be it would be it would be highly surprising if Villa announced in the next uh, twenty five minutes Connor signed a new four year deal. You would be I don't know, surprised. If Gerard insists on our midfielders playing auxiliary fullback, then Connor wouldn't have to run that much. I mean, maybe that's the solution. You just kind of. <laughs> He never has to run again. He just has to drop in and cover Luca Dean. I think a uh, a, a quick word for Steve Bruce. I, I'm highly critical of Steve Bruce, and um, he did sign some absolute jokers with the likes of Anima and Samba and uh, Scott Hogan, Bjarnason. Lansbury might be the most irritating because he was actually talented. Unlike he, Lansbury, for me, had a lot more talent than 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 Conor Harrah handed, but just was not in any way interested in, in, in using that talent, which I think is is really unforgivable. Anyway, um, you know, I think for all the dross that Steve Bruce signed, I think signings like Harahan uh, for, for that little money and, and, of course, Super John McGinn, um, they do redeem him somewhat. 
Yeah, there was a, a cracking piece in, in The Athletic, which we seem to always mention, but it was a great piece. And he's taken over at West Brom, hasn't he? And they, they went through all his previous jobs and, and the successful players he'd signed and the bad ones. And, and Villa was a real 50-50. It was either Scott Hogan for 12.5 million or, or John McGinn for 2.5. And it's he signed some cracking players, Steve Bruce, but as Craig says, he wasted a hell of a lot of money too. But I think probably more good than bad, even though I'm choosing to ignore yeah. Yannick Galassi and, and all the rest of them. But. The, the, the context, though, is that under Steve Bruce's watch, that that spending on the likes of Lansbury and Hogan very nearly killed the club. So I think that, for me, always is going to be difficult to forgive uh, because it was reckless spending, and and that might not be all of Steve Bruce's fault. Obviously, you've got the uh, the owner there, uh, uh, Zia and uh, Winus, who have to take accountability as well. But um, Steve Bruce has form for overspending at clubs and leaving them in a bit of a hole. So um, he doesn't come out smelling completely of roses, in my estimation. No, I'd agree. I wish we were doing the pod back in those days. Can you imagine? We could, have, <laughs> we could have been reading Steve Bruce's murder mystery series whilst criticizing his signings in real time. It would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think that's it. They're all they're always good, good and bad. Um, my my opinion is we weren't meant to go up that year, and I'm I'm still delighted that we didn't because it would have been an absolute disaster. Um, so I, I'm I'm pleased, even though. You know, it uh, we walk the tightrope. There's been there's been a, lots of club versus country stuff on Twitter. What hurt you guys more, losing the uh, playoff final to Fulham or losing to Italy on penalties with England last summer? Which one hurt you more at the time? Because I'm I'm still glad we lost to Fulham in the play because yeah, no, at the time at the time, not not with hindsight, just on the on the day, the days following. Oh, the, the England, what? the England one, I think. Yeah, the England one. Daniel? I'm with Andy in that I'm glad we lost that final against Fulham, but I can only say that having gone up the next year. Um, and at the time it was something like 6am on the west coast of Canada and I'd started drinking at about 5am and it, I was not in a good place by the time the final whistle sounded. Uh, but yeah, that, that England one felt pretty rough at the time because I genuinely thought, you know, it was coming home, but it, it, it wasn't. Uh, and it never will. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, we we might talk about that later in the year. Um, but yeah, the, the the club v country. Just just while we're on that, they play at different times. They never play at the same time. They never have to play each other. <laughs> Why do you have to choose? It's 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 a real we're bugbear not, of mine that people have this. You don't have to choose. It's like you don't have to choose between Ronaldo and Messi either. You can like both of them. Yeah, I mean, I it, mean, yeah. obviously it's Messi anyway. But I mean, you don't have to choose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's an interesting thing a little tidbit when I was a kid I didn't understand how it worked like England and like I didn't understand so I I remember asking my dad about John Barnes because John Barnes was like a bit of a hero in our house growing up and I said dad well when when England play Liverpool who does John Barnes play for and he tried to explain it to me and I just remember blinking at him bemused I didn't I didn't get it I was like well well he has to choose one he can't play for both of them and my dad, yeah, he, he, yeah. I mean, I think he tried his best, but I was maybe like four or five. But I think, <laughs> anyway, I think still, some people haven't got that concept. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's different. You don't have to choose. You can feel good about both. And I follow Wales as well, so you know, work that one out. Twitter, <laughs> anyway. The other big, uh, <laughs> the other big talking point of the summer so far has been the departure of joint assistant manager Michael Beale, who's taken the manager's job at QPR. It's been no secret, really, that Beale has been highly sought after, um, even before he arrived at Villa as, as part of Gerard's uh, staff last November. And so it proved that Villa were clearly ready for it, as a day later, um, the club confirmed the arrival of Neil Critchley to replace Beale. Um Critchley himself is is very highly rated within the game as a coach and had taken the the big step into management with Blackpool, taking them straight up into the championship before achieving a a 16th place finish last season, Um, which is, I think, quite an achievement, really, for your first job. Um, This certainly caused some uh, discombobulation amongst the, uh, the Villa Twitter 
as people speculated whether Gerard's tactical brain had, had left the building. Um, but as is so often the case these days, the response from the club was swift and decisive. Um, but talk me through your, your thoughts on Beale's departure and obviously Critchley coming in so quickly. Um, the, 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 the thoughts on the Beale departure for me, I wasn't too perturbed. Uh, because this is a man whose uh, tactical brain, to use your your uh, analogy there, had us finishing in 14th. Um, I didn't like lots of the things that I saw, as I've been very vocal about on this podcast, which I'm assuming came from Beale. Um, and, part, and and I guess Gerard approved the stuff. Um, the When Ramsey and McGinn were popping up at fullback, that was a dis- that was disgusting to my eye. Uh, the, the two number tens was a little bit ropey, and um, we just lost so many games under Gerard. We lost, 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 lost. We won some, but we just lost so many, and we were really easy to beat. So it's not like it's not like I could say that I've been impressed with the tactical setup under Gerard and and, and Beal. So it's not like I feel like we're losing something terribly valuable because it, it didn't go very well on the pitch. Now, obviously, there's a really good feel-good factor around the club, but I think that's mainly based on transfers and Gerard's pulling power rather than what actually has gone on on the grass. So I wasn't particularly upset to see uh, Beal go because I think that those some of those formations and some of those tactical ideas were foolhardy. I don't think they have. I don't think they had the players to make them work in the Premier League, and I think that um, from everything I've seen. Um, Critchley looks like he's uh, the real deal, and he's actually got a track record of of of, of doing it as the lead dog, if you like. Um, whereas uh, Beal is kind of hypothetical in terms of it's not exactly clear who's doing what and how much of an influence he has or doesn't have. Obviously, some people say he's he's really in charge. Some people say he's not in charge. Anyway, Critchley was in charge, and as you say, Andy did a great job with Blackpool. So to me, it looks like it could be an upgrade. Yeah, I mean, I'll deal with Critchley first, and I think this news would be a lot harder to swallow if it wasn't for his appointment. You're right, Andy, hell of an achievement with Blackpool, and it's rare that you coax a manager to a number two role. Like, it's very rare for them to give that up. He's also one of only 15 coaches in the world with the UEFA elite badge, whatever that means. That's that's mainly because they discontinued it after he got it. But still, by all accounts, he's a highly respected coach who'll come with tactical ideas. The problem is, I don't think Gerard's going to change his system. Whilst whilst Bill was the tactical brain, and, and if you, you read the stuff from, from when Gerard was appointed, that was very much the case. And you speak to Rangers fans, and they were more upset at losing Bill than they were Gerard, some of them. And um, he was the tactical brain, but the, the, the formation, the identity is still the same under Gerard. I don't expect to see a departure from that. I, I think what we lose is is a man who, who Emmy Martin has said, kind of handles a lot of the pre-match briefings, takes a lot of control and, and, and creates training sessions that players enjoy. And I'm the same as Craig. I've dis- disagreed with, with this lot's tactics since day one. They've, they've not seen joined up to me. Um, but I think our preparation for certain games has been good. The first half against City last game of the season, we we went with a plan, which which you'd imagine was was Beal's plan, and and there were signs there that we could build on that. What really worries me is is I think Gerard's out of his depth a little bit as it is, and losing his most trusted lieutenant, I think, is even more out of his depth and. Uh, it, it does worry me. Last last season, we lost two assistant managers over the course of the summer, and it was disastrous for our preparations. And, and so I'm glad to see the club move quickly to replace him. It does worry me because because Gerard was sold to us as something as a double act, and you know he was the the man who'd motivate the players who'd go get the A-listers in, and Beal was the the training ground guru who'd who'd do the tactics and get the players firing. And to lose his trusted guy, a guy who he's been with since the youth ranks at Liverpool, um, it's worrying. And and it does worry me because those tactics haven't looked sound since day one. So I don't expect them to change. I do hope for an improvement under Critchley, and I'm, I'm glad we've got him in. But, I do, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but I think Bill could turn out to be a, a big loss for us, much as I think Richard O'Kelly and John Terry were big losses for Dean Smith. Yeah, I think I think the the big thing is that it's been done early, you know. So it's not it's not like 
when uh, O'Kelly and Terry left kind of already in pre-season with um, obviously the manager self-isolating and just a terrible, terrible um, preparation for the season and it showed really in the early weeks uh, particularly. But um, I think this is different. I think uh, they probably knew Beale was was going to be on his way um, one way or another. Um, they've They've done it quick and like you say, Going to a, a championship club, um, even as Aston Villa, you know, big Premier League club with with great players and and a, and a and a big name manager, you know, they've they've, you know, it's still it's still a big a big thing to 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 convince someone to to kind of is it a step down or a step up? It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Um, maybe he just didn't enjoy the management side of things. Maybe he wants to get. Get back on the on the training training pitch properly with the players, and he'll get the, that opportunity um, with uh, with Gerard at Villa. So um, I'm I'm I was really pleased. I kind of had his, his name in my head when all the Beal stuff was 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 being talked about, and uh, I kind of thought, well, maybe there is a connection there with Gerard, and maybe that's something they'll do. But you never assume that you know a, a, you know a manager will. Will will come and, and uh, you know take take a an assistant role. Um, I think we are we we are we are you know I hope I hope Gary McAllister isn't listening to this because uh, we <laughs> haven't mentioned him once and I think he is actually the assistant manager, um, but um, no one seems to talk about him as being uh, the brains <laughs> behind anything. He seems to be a mascot to me, um, I, you know, respectfully. Mm. That's not very respectful. <laughs> Um, I think it's kind of like this. It's like uh, the, the, this sound comes to mind with the with with the Critchley thing, beep 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 <laughs> beep, and that is the sound of uh, of, of Aston Villa driving a truckload of cash <laughs> up to uh, Mr. Critchley's house to get him out of that job, and uh, you know to to quote the uh, the, uh, the the Godfather, make him an offer he can't refuse. I think ultimately, I don't know that. Um, that, uh, that 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 it's really any great complicate, complicated thing. I think Villa just offered him a lot more money that's going to set him and his family up better for the future. And I think he took the opportunity. And also, it's um, it's it's it's. I think it's as simple as that. But um, you know, I, I could be wrong. I'm a, I'm an old cynic. You see. Do you know what? I I've just realised this has nothing to do with this conversation whatsoever. I've never been to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I was just thinking he's going to have to leave the Pleasure Beach behind. Like that's going to take a lot of money to leave it. But then I realised I was making that assumption based on nothing but but watching the occasional TV show where the Pleasure Beach is shown. I'm going to have to fix this. But we have maybe a pre-season special. We have Star City in Birmingham. Oh, there you go. Then so, yeah, you know. all the fun fairs he needs. <laughs> he's, he'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, um, and the Belfry. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it at all. I, I, I kind of. I find this this idea as well that 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 without without his coach Gerard can't think about a football match. You know, it's like he, he's he knows what he's doing on some level. Um, he's not. He's not completely green. Um, so I, that is what worries me, though, because I'm, I'm not sure he brought a big backroom staff with him, and I, I, similar to Craig, I, I'm kind of yet to see the evidence that he does know what he's doing on some level, and that was with the, the supposed tactical brain trust behind him. So it does cause me concern. Obviously, Stephen Gerrard knows about football, and man's played at the top level all his life, but and so but did Brian still, Robson. Well, that's true. He's still green around the gills as a manager, and I just kind of it worries me losing a man who's that important to him. But as you say, Gary McAllister's still there, so not a problem at all. We still still got an angry Scott there, and Austin Austin McPhee is still there um, as well. So I mean, he's he was the he was the brains behind uh, <laughs> behind Dean Smith at the start of the season, wasn't he? So you know, it's all good. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, I'm I'm more than happy. I think they could probably do with trimming trimming the 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 coaching staff down a little bit maybe but um you know i i, I have no issues with uh, with anything that's happened um regarding our coaching team so far so um i'm i'm looking forward to to 
to how they how they set up next year and hopefully we're talking about about better things but I mean on the field Villa have, have effectively signed four players already with Coutinho and, and Robin Olsen making their loan loan moves permanent the latter completing his three million move from Roma last week and he's he's captaining Sweden I believe tonight which is which is nice for him um and along this was alongside of course the signings of of Camera and Diego Carlos, not Cus Costa. Um, there is, a, of course, still plenty of talk of, of incomings and, and outgoings this summer as, as Gerard will be looking to alleviate the obvious deficiencies from last season. Villa continue to be linked with a, with centre-back Calvin Bassey from Rangers. And there's also talk of, a, obviously, another midfielder possibly a backup left back and and maybe even a a new striker coming in. Um it has been an impressive start to the the summer window so far but but where do you see the most pressing needs for additions before next season starts? Well, I think um the 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 pressing <laughs> the pressing need might be to replace the pressing forward Ollie Watkins. Um <laughs> or Augment him, not replace. Replace is the wrong word. I misspoke. Augment him with uh, someone who can finish better. Um, I think that would be probably the, the the one position where I think I would like to see something else. I also wouldn't mind seeing another number eight. Um, and I will say for Gerard, as much as I have um, doubts, just based on what I've seen on the grass, as I already mentioned on this show, I have no doubts about the recruitment. I not only am, have been very impressed with the idea with the with the with the ability that they have had the team to identify really strong um players to come in um also Gerard's pulling power at this point is is really beyond reproach as you say that the, the signing of Kamara in particular uh and and Coutinho and Dinia those three and Diego Carlos I mean Olsen you know is is much of a muchness but those those signings are really a step above what we really should be able to attract as a 14th place Premier League club. So again, I, I, as much as I will be critical because I didn't see anything too promising on the grass last season, off the pitch, Gerard has been exemplary and I trust him to to attract the correct names. Um, my dreams of Darwin Nunes uh, seems to have been dashed <laughs> by uh, Liverpool. Um, <laughs> but... I'm hopeful that we can find a, a clinical striker to come in and, and maybe say goodbye to to Danny Ings. Um, but yeah, for me, if we get a striker and a number eight, um, I would be I would be, I think, over the moon and and ready for next season. I think it only needs one or two more for us to be challenging. Hopefully, in the top half. Yeah, I think Craig's bang on there. Like for all of for all of my worries and doubts about Gerard, the recruitment's been fantastic. And and even I think you've been a little bit harsh on Olsen there, Craig. I think getting the right backup goalkeeper is is not an easy position to to fill. And getting Sweden's number one and, and a consummate professional in Olsen, I think, is a really good get for us. So I mean, you know, hat tip to that bit of business too. In terms of what I'd like to see coming in. A striker, I, I really think if we're going to carry on playing two up front and Danny Ings is, is yet to cover himself in glory, I, I think a, a real clinical striker is what we need. I'd, I'd love that to be Cameron Archer, but I think that's a lot of weight to put on that young man's shoulders. So so whether it's, uh, you know, Gabby Goal and, or kind of uh, even going for one of Europe's hotter prospects who's a, a young player who, who is still learning their trade but could be a big name like a Benjamin Sesco or someone like that would be great. But outside a striker, I think it really depends on who we sell. If, if we sell Sanson and, and, and Louise, we definitely need another midfielder. I think having sold target, we, we definitely need full back cover. I would not like to go into the season with our backup left back being Courtney Hawes, I guess. Like, that's not a great place to be in. Um, and even though Chambers can, can deputise a right back, I, I think a full back who could play both left and right side would be really nice. And that's why it seems to be a shame that we're no longer in for Aaron Hickey from Bologna, the, the Scottish full backs. So he can play both sides. 
But I, I think we're in a nice position, having got our, the bulk of our business out of the way with early, we're, we're looking for those little pieces to complement what we've already got rather than the, the huge pieces of the jigsaw. So, so as Craig says, hats off to the recruitment. They've done a great, great job. But yeah, one or two little sprinklings of magic here, like a striker we, we haven't thought of would be brilliant. Like a, a name we haven't even thought of would be linked with would be great. But I get upset, get excited about backup goalkeepers. So whoever we sign, I'm probably going to be blown away with. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for a signing. It could be a fourth choice left back, and I'd be digging out YouTube clips and and stats to tell you why they're going to be brilliant for this Villa team. So whoever we sign, just sign them. I, I need something to distract me from these long summer months. I was like that with Robin Olsen. Even though I knew it was happening, I kept refreshing Twitter for the for the. For the uh, the actual announcement, you know, sign Olsen yeah. now, yeah. announce Olsen. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we all like a signing, don't we? I suppose we we have to be um, a little bit patient now. I think I think they've, they've they've done some great great work early on. I'm still buzzing about Coutinho. I, I still can't believe we we got that done, and um, and I think that will that will help. That will make things a lot easier um, for us in the summer. I think you know when 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 players see big players signing for clubs it, it, it all goes well doesn't it so um I think uh, I think that'll be good the one I would really like and it might be a bit of a a pipe dream um but the one I'd like is Conor Gallagher I just think he would he mm. would be outstanding in our midfield and um but I think I think we'd have to pay an awful lot to to gazump other clubs I think in that in that regard so we'll see we'll see um you know he's he's kind of the main one. I think Basuma's. Um, I think we've gone cold on that idea, which probably isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, and a lot a lot will depend. I think on, like you say, on what happens with with Douglas Louise in particular, um, and and whether whether he is on his way out and and what what's happening. There was some talk about uh, Moisey Keane as well from. Um, mm. so, some sort of uh, hmm. some sort of deal. It's an odd hmm. name to be banded around. He's he, he you know by all accounts one of the hottest prospects in football, but was terrible at Everton. Kind yeah. of still very, young, though, isn't still very young though, isn't he? Still very young. Still very young. Yeah. Um, you know he's got he's a, he's 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 a talented boy, and you know we'll 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 see. I mean he's 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 one of those that would potentially come in and and play in a two as well with with. With uh, with Watkins, so um, we'll 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 see on that. But uh, it's promised is to be. Are we? Gone. I'm I'm probably I'm probably I'm ready to be I'm ready to be to be told off here. So I'm 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 ready for it. If you want to tell me off, <laughs> but there's is there not a case for having a look at Keenan Davis, particularly yeah, if we're paying two up front? Yeah, I'd agree. I Just a about, look. I was about to say if we're. If we're going to sign a striker, we need something different. We need some physicality. And then I realised we've got physicality on the books. And I think Davis has never worked up front on his own, but in a two, I think it's it's interesting. But it depends if Forrest go after him and offer us money that we can't refuse. But yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be certainly interested in seeing Keenan Davis up front with Ollie Watkins. I think that could be a, a decent twosome up there. I think. I think if if. If Forrest offer anything like twelve, fifteen million, you take it with a with a matching option at least, you know, and 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 you let him go and play, you know, because you could see what that meant to him, you know, being being a, a, an integral part of of that promotion. He's he's obviously been promoted with Villa before, but you know, he he. Be, to be the main man, I think, you know. I, I think the people of Nottingham nearly saw more of Keenan Davis than they were uh, <laughs> they were bargaining for, judging on the uh, the uh, viral clips. Yeah, yeah. He he certainly enjoyed himself, didn't he? And uh, I, I I think that that sort of thing a little bit like when um, with Tyro Mings, you know, it had to happen. He had to come. He he found his his new home and. I think the same is true of, of Keenan Davis. Um, I'd argue when you say we should we have a look at him, I'd argue we've had quite a long look at Keenan Davis, um, punctuated but by not, not long this, injuries. Not, this, not to be nitpicky, but not this version of Keenan Davis. We got a lad who hadn't been through any academy, who was really learning on the job. 
Now he's getting bigger, he's getting stronger. He's had six months in, in the championship, and I still don't think he's necessarily ready. I think he might need a year in the Premier League. If we could, if we could do a year loan with 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 Forest, I mean that might not be viable, particularly if they're if they're slapping twelve million, twelve fifteen million pound on the table. I think in another year we could have something quite quite tasty with Keenan Davis, but you know I I've, I've been wrong before. No, I think uh, we've never seen him in a two either, right? Mm. Like he he he's got a little bit of the Heskies about him in that he's a really he's a handful, but he doesn't score goals, which is a bit of a problem as a striker when you're playing one up front. But but you put him up there with someone who likes to score goals, like a Danny Ings, for example, or an Ollie Watkins. I, Danny I Ings see. used to like to well, score yeah, goals. He used to like to, <laughs> but he's one of the twenty nine club now. But I don't know. I, I'm with you, Craig. I'm, I'm on board for this Keenan Davis revival. Let's let's get the the bandwagon going now. Keenan Davis to start up front, opening game of the season. Okay. I'm here for okay. it. Okay, I'm 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 uh, I'm probably leading the other way slightly, but you know that's. Uh, that's not unusual on this pod, is it? Can you imagine Keenan Davis and Phil Coutinho in the same side? Well, the, it's more. It's ridiculous. What I was thinking about is you're, you've, you're essentially advocating for Davis to play instead of uh, Buendia, aren't you? Um, so <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting, but I I yeah. <laughs> let, let, let me explain. I know how this sounds, listener. It does sound ridiculous, and I understand it sounds ridiculous based on our memories and experiences of Keenan Davis and Keenan Davis has almost become a punchline amongst uh, Villa fans due to his kind of uh, profligacy uh, his uh, his 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 lack of goal scoring now <laughs> profligacy I can't say the word and also the uh, his injury record but just bear with me and and just cut, join me on the imagination train for a minute how many other players combine the traits of a Keenan Davis Incredibly strong, quite quick, good first touch, able to dribble, really good link-up play, a, a brilliant foil. Those, all of those traits all together, and his finishing isn't as bad as it's made out to be. He did get, I think, five goals in the championship in, in, in just half a season. Danny Ings only got six in the Premier League in a whole season. Yes, they're different leagues, but it's the, the, the finishing isn't like outrageous it's you know it's it's not as good as it could be but it's not outrageous so those physical attributes that that Keenan Davis has if they can be if they can be nurtured again i think they need to be left in the pot for another year or two it could be something really really dangerous at premier league level but i i appreciate that people have kind of given up on him and it, 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 he's almost a figure of fun and people don't take me seriously when I when I see him as a viable option but think of it a little bit differently think about the pieces of the puzzle think about all the things that he has and all the things that he could be rather than what he has been if that makes sense I'm all aboard this imagination train I think it's <laughs> but what what does make me realize though Andy's saying let's get 12-15 million for Keenan Davis if we get 12 or 15 million for Keenan Davis then would have essentially have swapped Keenan Davis for Phil Coutinho and Bubakar Kamara, which which really isn't bad business, gents. That's that's not a bad start to a window whatsoever. It's not. It's not. And and and, and no, I, I I I don't regard Keenan Davis as a, as a figure of fun by any means. I think part of my thinking is as well, you know, what's right for the player, and I think he's found a new home, and I think for his career, you know. Yeah, we can hold him back. It's a bit like Matt Target, isn't it? You can say no, you're not going. But how, you know what does that what does that do to him as well? You know, and I think I'm sh- I'm sure he'll want that move um, to happen. And if Forrest have got have got the, the the money to put down for him, then I think I think we take it. And maybe you write in some sort of buyback option or. Or matching fit, matching uh, clause, or something like that, to to kind of protect against him going on to another level and becoming Harry Kane in the next two years. But you know, I think allow him to to continue his development now, and that's all. That's that's all I'm saying. He's more likely to play for Forest than he is for Villa, and um, I think sometimes you. You look at a player and think, you know, this is best, better for everyone, really, to 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 go, you know, and hopefully he'll he'll, he'll do he'll do 
well there and keep them up. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Craig. I think in terms of the raw materials, he's there's not a lot that he's lacking, and uh, you know it might be that we've just kind of you know br- brought him to the boil for him to uh, to to really go off for another club. So we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, you know, it's going to be it's yeah. Gonna, go and I also do take the point of, of of that you've made, and it's absolutely right. If if we can take a lad from Biggleswade that we've we've nurtured to this point, and again he's not quite finished yet, he does need a couple more years on 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 the pot on the boil, um, and sell him for twelve fifteen million quid. That is for once Aston Villa doing some extraordinary business. So um, uh, it was you know either way it was worth the investment in in Keenan Davis. And I you know if he, if this is the end of the. Uh, the road from Aston Villa. I wish him the best at Forest, and he'll he'll always be a hero for scoring in front of those Blues fans and uh, and, and, and dancing. <laughs> Give him thanks. Yeah. It was great, great to see. But yeah, it'll be a, be a, be an interesting summer. We're going to have a a bit of a break now. I think, gents, for a few weeks. Um, maybe we'll pop up if there's some big news and 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 do something. Um, in the meantime, and then of course we'll be back ready for the uh, the start of next season. Um. To uh, to 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 see what uh, Gerard and and his his Aston Villa team have got have got to give us next season. But thank you to everyone for for listening again all season and and supporting the podcast. We really do appreciate every one of you, and um, you know it's it's a really real joy to do it, and and it's really nice when we get we get positive um, comments and feedback from 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 you guys. So so thank you all for that and thank you gents for your company all season again um hopefully we'll 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 be back um all raring to go for next season um obviously head over to to and check out the the website andregaslitlamp.com and also give us a follow on the socials for any developments um over the summer and other than that enjoy your summer um put that factor cream on if you're going out in the sun and uh Stay safe and up the villa.